You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. I am Matt Baker. I perform a comedy and stunt show. And I'm Louie Fox. I do uh, magic tricks, comedy, and hand shadow puppets. <laughs> and we both have performed at the Moisture Festival for a number of years. So welcome to the podcast where we give you a peek behind the curtains of the performers and the people that make the Moisture Festival happen. You get a little, little bit of a look at their journey to getting on stage and a little bit about what they do in their time off stage. So welcome and be sure to check out all the episodes of the Moisture Festival podcast because there's a lot. There is a lot. And if you aren't familiar with the Moisture Festival, it's a four-week festival celebrating variety arts. So that's hula hoopers, magicians, people who bounce on their hands, acrobats, pretty much anything you can think of. It is the largest festival of its kind in the entire world, folks. In the entire world, it's the largest festival, and it features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today. The festival happens in the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, but they have a burlesque venue that runs for one week only, and get your tickets for that early because that always sells out actually 95 percent we've crunched the data louis yes. 95 percent of the shows sell out so if you're listening to this in the months of march and april be sure to go to moisturefestival.org and get your tickets today yes especially if your bucket list item is to see the opening show get them now absolutely on this episode of the Moisture Festival podcast, we bring in the new executive director, Victoria Watts. We talk about her journey from dance to executive directing, and all we learn all about dance notation. Yeah, it's a great conversation. She lays out a little bit of a river her vision, what she's anticipating happening in the upcoming years, and uh, how she's going to make the Moisture Festival better. It's a fantastic interview with the new executive director. Let's get to it. On today's Moisture Festival podcast, we are excited to have the new executive director of the Moisture Festival, which means I she might I think you're our boss. Uh, I think I am Vic your boss. Yeah. Yeah. Victoria Watts, welcome. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Thank you for having me today. Yeah. So uh, Louie got to speak to you a little bit, but I, I'm hoping that Louie, our bet has been settled that she's not Canadian. Well, we had a bet that whether you're Canadian or, or where did you say, Matt? Australia. Yeah. Well, look, things got real messy with my accent. When I go back to my hometown, which is actually London, people oh. say to me, hmm, where are you from? Are you South African? Yeah. Which I am genuinely outraged. Because that um, accent's a little messed up. And then you tell them Canadian. Yeah, yeah. So I lived in Adelaide, Australia, before I moved to Seattle back at the end of 2015. Uh, I lived in Ohio off and on. For, I hear a little Ohio in that accent. I yeah, can maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe six or seven years off and on in Ohio and about three or four years in D.C., so yeah, o over Wait, time. So where were you raised? Where where did the accent come about? Were you raised in England? Oh. Is that what? Yeah. So mum and okay. dad uh, are from Walthamstow, East London. The so best. there's I love that. I love shadows that of an East End of London accent, and then they moved to a place called Buckinghamshire, which is halfway between Oxford and London. It's about maybe like a thirty minute train ride to get from there into London. But people are posh in Buckinghamshire. It's where. Uh, all the stockbrokers and fancy pants people live. So the girls um, I went to school with had posh accents for the most part. Uh, then I moved back to London, to South London. So they've got bits of that in there. And of course, I was a real theatrical bratty kid. Mm. So over enunciating and being super expressive or just came about. So 
yeah, there's there's a lot that's gone into having me. Can speak. you do a South African accent, or can we hear oh, a South no. African accent? Yeah. Can we hear the posh accent? The po- Can we hear the posh accent? You'd like me to talk like Julie Andrews? Oh, that's not that fired right now. That's good. Yes, yeah, you have to be very careful about enunciating your T's. Okay, now mm. let's hear. Let's hear Ohio. the Ohio American. Oh, I, American. I can't do Ohio other than to say um, dance department and bottle of beer. Oh, uh, but I have zero skills for this stuff, which is why I really do arts admin and scholarship, <laughs> not getting on stage performing. Right, like that's not my forte. I like how the one phrase you learned in uh, in American is bottle of beer. Oh, and this this is the one I really do well. Smart ass. Oh, ah. That sounds southern, though. That sounds like it might be. Yeah, look, the accent. Dots all over the map. Moves all around the United States. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had that talent. It would be great to be an, an exceptional mimic and a, and a person yeah. who could do accents. But alas, it's not my skill set. My accent. wife does it and it gets her in trouble a lot because when she meets someone with an accent, she'll just start speaking with that accent. Yeah. And then they'll get mad and she'll be like, you started it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 either of you do a british accent no. are you good nope. at that stuff i can do uh i do a joke in my show about where i have i say english words and have the the audience say the american pronunciation so it's like gay raj vitamin <laughs> wada i don't even know what that, that wa, wa, like a... water was that water i don't even know water so okay hold on now i how did you know you have a background in theater and dance and how did did you have any sort of um inroads to variety exposure to variety before you sort of came to have this new job well look uh, as we've established i grew up in britain and the pantomime is essentially a a themed variety show yeah. right i love yeah. pantomime and also on telly when i was a kid was always like live at the palladium and mm-hmm of course, the Royal Variety Show. So I have loved kind of big old theatres with people doing random acts of entertaining things since I was a kid. Mm, so, nice. So I have that that understanding and appreciation. Have uh, you ever tried doing the variety stuff? Like, you're like, eh, this weekend I'm going to try and juggle. No, I can barely catch. I'm such a, I'm such a klutz. When I was in grad school... Uh, we had a course to do with movement dynamics, right? Like all of this analytical stuff to do with the quality of energy and the way you approach using space. And one of the tasks in the class was miming, throwing and catching balls of different size and weight. And my sense of myself as somebody who cannot catch was that even in a mime act, the ball went past my head and I ran off to the corner of the room following the imaginary ball that I had just dropped. And it was only when I came back to the circle looking sort of sheepish that everyone was like, there's no ball there, Vic. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Whoa, tone him down a little bit. Yeah, too much investment in the task there. Um, yeah, the fella, the husband can, can juggle pretty well, but I, I can't catch, I can't do any of that stuff. Okay, so Pant, so you were, you knew a little bit about variety. Cause I know like in, you know, growing up in England, you know, there's buskers and there's, you know, oh, there's yeah. a lot. it's, it's yeah. around, it's, it's a little bit more prevalent than it is in the United States yeah. um, culturally. Um, so did you know, had you been to the Moisture Festival before you had got the gig? I lived in Capitol Hill from December, 2015 through to this summer. And I was the kind, I didn't have a car. I don't have a car. Uh, the kind of person who's like, eh, if I can't get there on the number eight bus or by walking, I'm probably not going. So mm-hmm. I had been to the burlesque mm-hmm. uh, at BPH a number of times, but I'd never been to the variety because uh, it was over the water. It was too far away. Uh, so do you went to variety this year though? No. Oh man, it was like, yeah, yeah, I know. Wild, isn't it? It's really crazy. Um, so then what was the, what was the sort of genesis of wanting to, to apply to be the executive director? of the world's largest variety arts festival. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a real, it's a joy. It's a joy to get the position. This is a a longish story, so maybe a bit dull. Yeah, I 
I quit my job at Cornish for all sorts of reasons. One of the reasons is that higher education, I think, has become excessively extractive, right? Like my salary is being paid as a professor by 17 and 18 year olds who can ill afford to get in debt for an arts degree. And part of my job was selling that to mm. them. And mm. it just felt unethical. So I, there were lots of reasons, but that's one of the reasons why I quit that job. And I had planned to move back to England. I had a job lined up at the University of Greenwich. Um, but the fellow is great. And we didn't really want to split up. But equally... That would be I, a deal breaker for him if you went I've, back to England? <laughs> It was kind of a deal breaker. Oh, all right. Um, and Look at the Boyster Festival saving relationships, man. Yeah, right. But so I've been a, a lifelong marriage refuser for all sorts. I mean, you know, a convicted uh, radical feminist. Uh, so, so for political reasons, for philosophical reasons, I was like, oh, I want to get married. Come on. But it was the only way that we were going to be able to stay together. So we chose to get married. But that then meant that the green card process, the immigration process, uh, enforced me to be unemployed for 15 months, something like that. Wow. We didn't know it was going to be 15 months when the process started, but it was really a really long time. But that gave me ages to do all sorts of late midlife reflection on, like, what do I want to do for the next 20, 25 years? Like what's going to be meaningful? That's what's going to be fun? Idea. You know. Um, yeah. So I did a course in project management. I did a, like a, a little four-week fellowship for career redesigning. Uh, I did a, yeah, I did a lot of reflection and soul-searching. And I had initially really been resisting the idea of being an executive director. Because it's really, really hard work for not much money and much love. But uh, then... This position crossed my radar and I just got those those good gut vibes, right? I was just like, oh, that's calling to me. I feel like I could really I could really resonate with those people and probably my my balance of I get it, artists, you don't like structure, but you kind of need some structure to run this thing now. Coming in That's... to whip the hippies into shape. Right. <laughs> I mean, like wrangling people is one of my superpowers. Nice. So, yeah, I just I got a lot of good vibes about it. And then for the first time in my life, I went all out on getting my network to call people to make it happen. So I, I uh, asked a few friends of mine from the dance community, like, oh, do you know anyone at Moisture Festival? And three of my friends were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we know. And I was like, okay, you need to make some calls and <laughs> some calls and manage to to make sure that my resume wasn't lost in the pile. Mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. Made it up there, and I'm I'm really glad. I'm really glad they did. It's yet to be seen whether anyone at Moisture Festival is really glad that they did. It's early days. The jury's out. Well, hopefully your husband is happy. Yeah, that, he's yeah. he's pretty happy. Stuck he's around. glad that I'm working again. After, after being the sole, the sole provider for a while. Oh, yeah. Right. So, yeah, both of, both of our spouses are happy. We're working again after us being home for a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly Louie. <laughs> <laughs> so this, you know, it's a weird, it's a weird festival, obviously. Uh, and it's a weird, the way that it's organized, the way that it's structured, the way it's ran has been, is a very unusual um sort of way that it's done what what are some questions that they ask you in the interview anything that was like abnormal like what's the difference between an american clown and a european clown oh like, look i wish they'd <laughs> asked me some stuff like that i mean i i was very thorough in my preparation for the interview because i was really serious that i want was going to get this job i mean i was like i was all in um, do you know if there was other people that applied that's <laughs> just you <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to answer that. I'm sure there were. I'm sure that a lot of people were really excited about being the executive yeah, director. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm just... It, it wasn't just me. <laughs> <sighs> um, 
No, they they asked me all the sort of things you'd expect people to ask about hiring someone to come in and sort of be the boss. Um, and I had really done my prep in terms of like, what is it about this organization that that gave me that excited feeling? And it's not just that it's to do with the arts in a way that is quirky and wonderful. It's really that I'm a committed socialist and uh, the share system was really, really meaningful to me. The origins of the festival in being something that's really about community, about sharing, really spoke to my heart and made me feel like, well, I want to be able to help that thrive and flourish. Uh, yeah, there's something about fairness and justice in there that speaks to me. There's also something to do with joy, right? So my my main background is in modern dance. And when modern dance is great, it's transformative and, you know, transcendent and all of that stuff. But 87% of the time, it's desperately dull and gloomy. And I just, I think there's something political and powerful about happiness, about joy, about silliness that really pushes back against some of the forces in the world that are less than, than positive and liberatory. And so that really spoke to me. And the fact that you have such an incredibly committed team of volunteers who step up, get involved and, and make something for the benefit of themselves and everybody else involved in something, in a project that's bigger than who they are. Our world needs more of that. Uh, some of my previous research work has really been in, involved in projects that do that for people. So yeah, that outside of the art, the, it's about community, it's about bringing joy and enabling people to connect across socioeconomic and you know other kind of demographic uh, boundaries that's inspiring and something i really want to make sure that i can maintain and help to thrive for the next 20 years yeah nice nice now you mentioned so your your background is in dance i saw you have a phd is that right yes so i have you're... a phd in cultural studies and a graduate certificate in women and gender studies there you... is that from the ohio state university is that no my mfa is in dance and multimedia technology from the ohio state university and then my phd is from george mason university oh okay is that why you came to the united states in the first place is for secondary education i came on an exchange year as an undergraduate so my real specialty is very nerdy, very geeky. I am one of the few people on the planet who is a bilingual movement notator. So I studied to uh, advanced level, a thing called Laban notation, which is a system of writing down movement and dance that was invented in the 1920s by a guy called Rudolf Laban. And I'm also an advanced practitioner in a thing called Benesh movement notation, which was invented in the late 1940s by a guy called Rudolf Benesch. I love the fact that they're both called Rudolf. So when I was an undergraduate, I did a, a year on exchange at the Ohio State University because that was one of two places to get advanced certification in Laban notation. And I can still really geek out big time about movement notation. And actually just so we're, we're now based at uh, Emerald City Trapeze in Soto. Mm. We just moved into some new offices there week and a half ago something like that and uh, it's been really fun to chat with some of the the trapeze folks there who were like oh, movement notation oh like do tell me more because i actually know some some folks in paris who do circus and trapeze stuff and combine that with some of the benesh notation so i no, saw just... um paper I, I think you had written called the perpetual present of dance notation and yes, at the very end right. it had like hand-drawn things that yeah. looked like music graphs with like little figures is that the music mm -hmm. notation or the dance notation so, so benesh notation is written on a five-line stave that looks like a musical stave but the top line is the top of the head then the shoulders the waist oh, and the floor 
and you you plot a kind of abstracted figure, but the figure is absent from the frame. You just plot the extremities and sort of project into it. And then if you imagine you were swirling around sparklers at night and they leave those trails that the arms moved in, we use lines to indicate like the trail through space that a limb might have taken mm. in the Benesh notation. Yeah. Is it's the, super complicated. Is it just, I, I, I feel like it was inspired by Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes song. <laughs> but did you have, was that part of your final, your thesis? <laughs> yes. Actually, what they make you do at the beginning of every lesson is do the Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes dance just to make sure <laughs> that you're all on board. Wait, is it like stick figures? Is that what you're doing in a... No, it's much more complicated than oh, stick okay. figures. Um, but the Benesh system is sort of based off the notion of a stick figure. Let's not get too too hung up on that. But but you can you can notate like complicated Indian hand gestures. Oh, you can okay. what it's really good for is notating when you've got maybe three or four people doing contact work. So if you've got three people lifting one person up, moving them through the air, and then like popping them down somewhere else. If you watch that on video, you can see the effect, but you can't really see whose hand is on the inside of whose thigh. Like, how are they turning their shoulder to then leverage that person up over their head? When are they then bringing their arm around the other way to like grab under their butt? So the movement notation lets you say all of that stuff really explicitly. Now, when and you say this... bi bilingual movement notation, does yeah. that mean you can draw and draw stick figures in different languages? Well, yeah, because Benish notation is this one that looks like a musical stave and has it's sort of an abstracted stick figure. But Laban notation is uh, is nothing to do with that. The the staff is a, a vertical line that bisects the body, and the staff also functions as a timeline. So the length of the symbol on the page relates to the duration of action. And it looks very much like a kind of Bauhaus or Neuerstiel kind of design with these geometric figures that then really indicate, the lines on the stave indicate which part of the body is moving and the symbol indicates that body part moving in relation to the center of gravity and in relation to these kind of cardinal points around the body so and so when this... you take a different view about it's like putting on a different pair of spectacles right like the, the the way you think to describe and observe it colors what you're able to see and describe right so in the same way that a different language gives you different possibilities for expression it's the same with the movement languages gotcha. so how would it be used so like like, let's say someone was choreographing a dance. Would they bring in someone like you to notate it or and then if like... they had enough money? Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> many of the major ballet companies around the world have uh, one or a team of staff notators who gotcha. are in rehearsal, recording everything, and they then support the choreographer. They rehearse in new dancers when the choreographer is away. All of that does stuff. A, does a choreographer notate what they're, you know, they're, they don't. So they're like, okay, this is what we want. And then the notators. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. For the most part, for the most part. And, you know, it's used a little bit in, in choreography. And I had this lovely friend, Tony Intravio, who used Laban notation for work with zoologists. She notated uh, the, the mating dance of some kind of jumping spider Oh, that's cool. Wow. She, incredible, really incredible work. And she also notated uh, the the dance of the bees, right? Which oh, is that's really cool. Dance. But yeah, so she worked with zoologists at the university she was based at. Lovely Tony. She passed away a couple of, couple uh -huh. of years ago in the 90s. Be a cool tattoo, uh, the mating dance of a, of a spider. Like. Yeah, right? So it's it's very cool. It's very nerdy. The last project I did with it actually was with some roboticists at the um, Technological oh, University cool. of Delft. So I spent six weeks there uh, le learning about motion control and learning about uh, 
human computer, human robot interactions, because the, the team there were curious to know, could movement notation provide uh, a useful language for dealing with control of robot motion? Oh, yeah. Motion. So we applied for some multi-million uh, EU grant that was going to involve robots, monkeys, dance notation, uh, and circus. Uh, we spent a lot of four of my favorite things. things. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is my dream project. Uh, so I managed. I did manage to get six weeks hanging out in in Delft playing with that stuff but we we didn't get the go we got close but though they're real picky about who they give those multi-million multi-year grants yeah, they're like to. the monkeys threw us off we don't, yeah we don't you see really the need the use of the monkeys yeah yeah so yeah that's that's dance notation and i still i still you know i keep my hand and i'm actually later today going to be convening uh, a meeting of benesh notators to chat about <laughs> creating a syllabus for children's exams for Benesh notation. Wow. And yeah. there's a I community. thought when I go to magic club meetings, I was nerdy. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> making the, the variety arts seem pretty cool. <laughs> I think you are pretty cool, you, you variety arts folks. Yeah. Wait, so sure. there's a community of people that do this in Seattle? No, no, no. This will be a Zoom meeting. Oh, it's gotcha. A, I was like, geez. It's a very global it's a pretty pretty global thing. So the meeting will have somebody in Toronto, somebody in London, wow. me here, and uh, somebody in I think they're in Middle Europe. Somewhere. How did how did you even come into wanting to do that as your thing? Uh, so I I was gonna do modern languages at university, but then I was like, oh. I've got the rest of my life to do a real job and do a real thing. And I really love dancing. Uh, and I found there was one university at the time in the UK that had an undergraduate degree in dance. And I was like, oh, I'll apply for that. Let's see what happens. And again, it was one of those moments where I, I went there, I met them and my gut was like, oh, this is it. This is it. This is what you want to do for the next four years. You could do a degree in dance and then still get a real job and go be a diplomat or something. But then when I started doing the course, I just was like, oh, I, I love this. I, in school, I was lazy. I would be like, what's the least I can do to get the best marks? Like, and then when I did this undergraduate degree in dance, I was like, oh, I really like working. I really like thinking about this stuff. I'm really good at this. And dance notation was one of the required courses. And pretty much everybody else was like, oh, dance notation, it's so hard. It's so difficult and so pointless. And because I had a real like language math brain, I was like, no, I love this. This is everything wow. I like because it's about language, it's about systems, but it's also yeah. somatic and yeah, and, and complex and involves lots of gray areas at the same time. So yeah. I just, I really totally geeked out on it. And then I never got a real job after that. I just, <laughs> yeah. That's the best. <laughs> yeah. Now, how did you get into dance? Oh, well, I'm, I was a brat, you know, I was a bratty little kid. I liked singing, dancing and acting. I liked being the center of attention. And my best friend Radster has an astonishing singing voice. Uh, I have a very mediocre singing voice. We would sing a lot together. She started going to the Jackie Palmer stage school when she was 11. And so I begged my mum and dad that I should also be allowed to go to the Jackie Palmer stage school. Um, and then, yeah, just from from there, I, I'll say the Jackie Palmer Stage School sounds real shonky, but it's actually where James Corden trained. I used to teach James Corden a little bit when I was first a dance teacher. Eddie Redmayne trained there a little bit. Um, who else? Aaron Taylor Johnson. So it's a kind of crazy little after school weekend stage cool. school. But some pretty. Do you have some er early notation of carpool karaoke in your? <laughs> You sell those, man. Make a little no money. comment. 
no comment on that. Yeah, so I loved all of that stuff, singing, dancing, acting. Yeah, we would, you know, Radster and I would create our own reviews at school, you know, uh, write our own little plays, all of that stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I look back now. One night, her mum was having a dinner party and we were upstairs in her bedroom recording ourselves doing all of the parts of all of Macbeth as a way to revise for one of our exams. We are like banging on the radiators with sticks, like doing sound effects, screaming like the witches, like wailing, bemoaning. And at one point her mum just was like, can you stop this? It sounds like you're murdering each other. Like it's really disturbing our guests downstairs. <laughs> so our, our parents were very patient with our excessive theatricality. Uh, and, and we sort of grew out of it, but I'm sure we were super annoying to know at that age. So what so, what ultimately brought you to Seattle? Was it the job at Cornish that brought you to Seattle? Yeah, I um, I kind of got poached for it. I was at a conference in Brisbane, the International Teaching Artists Conference, presenting some of my work on dance practice with older adults. And the woman who was supposed to chair my session, missed her plane. So another woman came in to chair the session and her name was Nancy Usher and she was really charming. We really hit it off. And she said to me, oh, I mean, I, kn I know you've just moved to Australia. I'd literally been there five months at that point. She was like, but I'm, I'm doing a little, a little head hunting. I'm gonna need a new chair for my dance department little place, Cornish College of the Arts. I don't know if you've heard of it, but of course I'm a dance historian and I know all about the storied history of Cornish College of the Arts. It's- Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. It was, oh, yeah. has a like story tradition. It's one of the institutions for modern dance in the US. Oh, wow. wow. What about LARPing? Are they good at LARPing? <laughs> I don't know what LARPing is. Oh man. Well, we have a friend who used to teach there and he just taught stage combat. So that was like, oh, that's all okay. I know about Cornish, honestly. No, well, it's it's got an incredible history. So when Nancy was like, maybe you'd be interested in being chair of the dance department at Cornish, my eyes lit new. up. Yeah. And yeah, it, it happened. It worked out. Wow. Yeah. Well, there you have it. So that's brought, that brought me to Seattle, but I've really loved it. It's the longest I've lived anywhere as an adult. I've prior to this moved internationally every two to five years of my adult life. Um, and yet Seattle, I'm pretty content, pretty content to stay here. It's good. Good. And is the fella from Seattle? No, he's from New Jersey. Oh, he moved out. The Australia of the United States. <laughs> it's the Queensland of the United States. <laughs> so the Bogans are. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, he moved out here probably. 2017 2018 something like that because he's a real outdoorsy guy who does mm. landscape photography and oh, cool. photography so it's a it's a great part of the world for him to be in i bet that's i'm i'm so curious now that like that you haven't been to a moisture festival show like sort of what has been your sort of you you've now been in the position for a month and a half two months now uh what? yeah five weeks Five what minutes. has been sort of some impressions that uh, some things that have sh a shocked you or surprised you or uh, things you're like, whoa, I wasn't I didn't quite sign up for this. Like what what sort of has stood Won't out? Get you fired. Five weeks? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Look, I. I'm not a spring chicken. I understand the importance of doing your research before you accept a job. Mm -hmm. So nothing has really been that surprising. Okay. To me. I kind of went in with my eyes open gotcha. about uh, what the opportunities and what the challenges would be for sure. Um, and I'm in I'm enjoying the ways in which when I meet and talk with people, those those opportunities are confirmed um, and I'm really very taken with just how generous and smart and charming all the people are that I've met. Like I probably spent my first two weeks 
and and then it kind of the pace on that slow but i'm still doing that just getting to know various stakeholders like yeah the the team leaders of some of the volunteer teams folks who've been on the board uh some of the founders so really digging into why are, why are volunteers involved in moisture festival what makes it yeah. compelling for them what what do we need to do better to yeah. make their experience positive and and keep them coming back right because without the volunteers the festival is nothing it falls yes. apart um what makes it appealing for performers you know like trying to get those answers and there's so much love that is very moving very powerful um and definitely makes me aware that there's a lot of responsibility to not mess this thing up right that um i mean and i felt this a little bit at cornish actually as well my predecessor at cornish had been in role for 28 years and was beloved and she was choosing to retire um and i came in to lead a team of people who were much older than me more experienced than me and i really felt a responsibility to be respectful of all of their knowledge and experience uh, and expertise whilst also being aware that actually the the reason you're bringing somebody new in is that there are new ideas new ways of doing things yeah. and just because we've always done it one way yeah and and those ways worked for us in the past doesn't mean that they're necessarily the best way to do things now yeah yep circumstances nice change <laughs> right yeah. and and so when I when I say that wrangling is my superpower, one of the things that I think I'm I try to be really attuned to is how to make change without breaking things, how to be respectful of the reasons why things are the way they are now and maintaining the, the beautiful goodness at the heart of that, but being able to just slightly tweak adjust transform yeah. without yeah without having people like go ah, she's changing yeah. things so much i gotta yeah. like i'm out this is too scary yeah um whilst also holding the line that some things really do have yeah. to change yeah yeah some things really do have to change so but i'm feeling that uh, the responsibility to be like how to steer that process that keeps people on board that lets them know that they can trust me people have no reason to trust me right now i've not proven anything uh i'm just having to yeah really make sure that each of my actions in these first months allow people to understand that i'm not making change for the sake of it that i don't want to make change because i think i know better about yeah how moisture festival is and should be so that I'm really trying to listen and synthesize and create a plan that's going to help support all of you, all of this beautiful community that I'm now a part of in flourishing. Yeah. So the, the key challenge right now actually is, yeah. How, how to establish. Yeah. Well, it's a huge operation to navigate and lots of different people probably trying to pull you in different directions. And, and then you, you know, you're the executive director, but there is a board of directors mm -hmm. and that have you ever sort of had to sort of work in an environment with a board of directors where you're sort of having to check in and a couple, a couple of times, not, not in an ED role, although I have supported a small arts organization with a board before, but I've also been the chair of a board for a non-profit uh, and it was a working board. I was the, the chair of the British Fulbright Scholars Association in the UK for three years and they were going through a, a time of transformation themselves. They had an executive director, there had been some things going on with their funding. So, so I was really in that relationship from the other side, right? Like just trying mm -hmm. to figure out how to navigate that relationship and navigate relationships with our various stakeholders, which included the US Embassy and the Fulbright mm. Commission. Like, how are we going to retool to do things more effectively? Again, because there was a reason why they are, they were the way they were, but that that's not going to pertain into the future. So time to make change. 
your board's great though they're really they're really engaged they are accessible supportive look look at me i'm so positive about everyone and everything they're the best of all the boards <laughs> they're so awesome <laughs> they really are though right yeah. and again it needs to be acknowledged that this is mostly people who have real jobs yeah and other going on stepping up with a lot of their own time a lot yeah. of their own money in order to make this thing function yeah it's, and that's I think it comes back to the community of all of this is is uh someone told me people support what they build mm -hmm. yeah and that's that's what the moisture festival is everyone i mean like most of our the volunteers have been there multiple multiple years no one pops in once and then is out right right yeah that's come up that's come up a lot and it's, you only have to look at the statistics right like so volunteerism across the country is really on the decline in some in some pretty drastic ways for all sorts of good imagine. reasons, right? Cost of living, longer work hours, all of that stuff. Uh, but it's really remarkable how consistent and persistent your volunteer rates are at, at Moisture Festival. It's really, it's something. And it, when I talk to people, it's clear that part of that is about variety. And part of it is... I really love the people I volunteer with. I really love my team. I love the food folks. I love the people who do the driving. Yeah. I love the people who do bar, right? Like, and, it, and it's that that is also really uh, connecting for folks to kind of, yeah, get out of their living rooms and yeah. come out and do the work. Yeah. What is that one of the major obstacles that you feel like you're facing, you know, moving forward is just making rallying people to make sure that the volunteer base is there what are some of the major obstacles that you foresee or that you have to overcome we don't have a business plan and it makes a lot of sense that we don't have a business plan because the vibe has been should we do it again next year yeah, yeah. this went well should we do it again but actually at year 20 it's time to have a business plan. Yeah, We need to have an idea of where we're going and what we're gonna prioritize. Uh, a five-year plan is gonna help us figure out what to do in what sequence. People wanna really tackle the question of diversity. People wanna really tackle issues to do with uh, educational outreach and being able to share something of the Moisture Festival with a wider community, engaging younger people in learning things, not just in March and April, but through the year. People are, yeah, eager to be able to, yeah, maybe pay the artists a little more, right? All of those things, but without a plan and figuring out like, how do these little components interconnect? What are we gonna do in which order? And how are we, with a plan then, going to be able to ask for more money from major donors? I think that big grants from foundations and big donations from people with deep pockets require that you're able to say, when you give us this money this year and commit to the next two years, this is what we're going to do and this is where it's going to get to. And we yes. don't have that right now. But my sense is, well, I'll share with you, I, I want us as a community with as many stakeholders as possible, volunteers, artists, board members, you know, like the whole kit and caboodle to really this year find time to engage in a collaborative, consultative visioning and planning process. And that process has to be as much of a party, as much of a hang as the festival itself. Yeah, because I think that it needs all the stakeholders like to to come to the party and say what's meaningful to them, what do they want the future to look like, for us to then sort that all out. Make that because collage. The other thing I will say is, God, I can really talk. It's it's kind of annoying. Um, I can really talk. So the other thing I would say though is one of the things that comes up in chatting with stakeholders 
is that not everybody agrees on what the future of the festival should be. And then I think it comes as a surprise to folks that what they think the future is, not everybody agrees with. So my sense is that there's a real appetite to find uh, a space a little bit like Hale's that we can take ownership of, that we can build out, where there's a really beautiful, porous boundary between audience and backstage, uh, uh, yeah, between performer audience, between backstage and front of house, and that everybody's sort of just in it. Yeah. Yeah. And other people really have a, no, it's great being in a theater, that professionalism is really where we should be going. We should be moving away from that kind of, Lucy goosey we're all in it together vibe and really be moving towards a more professional setup we need to find a better theater space we need to you know all of that and 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 both sides of that are sometimes like oh you really think that huh that's interesting so I think we need to have a conversation all together yeah at least so people know right that people know well and that people feel like their voice has been heard too if it goes like it at least I spoke up or had the opportunity to. Yes. Yeah. 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 And can we find a compromise? Is the, yeah, what, are, what are the solutions to this for us as a community to, to move forwards and, and make sure we lay the foundations for something sustainable uh, for the next 20 years? Look at that. That's, that's, the, at aim, that. Wow. Right? that's, that's the aim this year. Make, yeah. make a plan that's going to see us into the future. So looking into the future, what are you looking forward to at the festival this year? Honestly, this is going to, I hate it when my answers are kind of cliched, but this is the truth. I'm really looking forward to meeting many, many more of the volunteers, right? Like there's hundreds of them. And at the minute I've met a tiny fraction. And so I'm looking forward to just being in the space and interacting with all our great folks and laughing a lot. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I mean, just the the crazy range of acts I'm excited about. I I do love things that are weird, wonderful, and offbeat. So I'm hoping there's going to be something very kooky. Um, you know, like somebody doing ventriloquism in a tank of water underwater. You mean like, yeah. I don't know. Like yeah, classic, classic. Yeah. And then in the back of your head, you go, how do I notate that? Yeah. <laughs> always i'm always thinking hmm, how would i write that down yeah louis uh what do you think i feel like uh she passed the interview i feel like yeah, i think uh, you got we, the job i think we should give her the job well should we sign off on it what do you think yes. <laughs> now if people want to get in touch with you do you have any like a website or oh, she's on linkedin she's on linkedin i am on linkedin but i really i only joined linkedin earlier in the year because i was like oh people who want jobs go on linkedin i um that's why i'm not there on instagram i'm i'm vix watts on on instagram with a double x v-i-x-x-w-a-t-t-s you'll be able to see pictures of my cats more than nice lots of pictures of cats um yeah i don't know i'm i'm an old lady i don't really like the socials i don't know it's it's tough isn't it but if people want to contact me they should email me victoria at moisturefestival.org. Boom. I Boom. love yeah. hearing from people. I'm again, this is this is something that's like, ah, but I genuinely believe in servant leadership. I am here to serve and support the community. And and so folks need to get in touch and tell me what they want, and then I will endeavor to fix it. That's that's my role here to make sure that you all can do your stuff as well as possible and with, you know, as much reach, as much exposure, uh, as much love as possible. Nice. Look at that. Wow. Nice. nice. That nice was the sign off right there. That was, whew, <laughs> man, did you write that down? That was, that was great. Well, I'm going to close every, every conversation I have with people with that. <laughs> I'm going to quote my favorite executive director, Victoria Watson, my closing remarks. <laughs> well, they nailed the person. I feel like they did a great job, whoever they are. And, uh, you know, thanks for uh, taking the time. And it's Thank nice you. to meet you, actually, and talk to you and know that you're not Canadian or Australian. Right, right. Although 
We, we, in the middle. Meta, yeah. It's in the middle. Yeah, I'm, it's one of those mid-Atlantic accents, but I don't believe in the nation state, so we should just, you know, Boom. drop all of that. Hey, look at that. Um, That's why I'm wearing this shirt. Free slow jamistan. So. <laughs> nice, yeah. Um, a, it's been I'm really a... lovely to meet you both, too. I'm sorry I talked over you a lot. I no, not at all. Carried away. Better that way. We have nothing to say of importance, yeah. so we appreciate you carrying the conversation. <laughs> love it. Love awesome. It, love, well, thank you it. so much. It was going to be nice to meet you in person sometime. Yeah, yeah. Will I see you at the gala on October 8th? I'll be out away working. I am also I'm on a cruise ship. Well, I hope that everybody who listens to the podcast is thinking of coming to the gala. It's going to be an absolute blast down at Emerald City Trapeze. Boom. Great acts. Some great food, some great cocktails. That's and it's on the 8th? October 8th? On the 8th of October, yeah. Next Sunday, a week today, in fact. Yeah. yeah. It's not too late. If people want to come, they should uh, They should definitely think about coming. And if you, you're long. listening to this after the 8th of October, there'll be uh, 2023, there'll be one next year. There'll be another one. <laughs> Get your tickets now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. Really thank appreciate you. it. That's it for today, folks. I want to thank you so much for listening. If you want to check out more information like who's performing, how to volunteer, how to contribute, be sure to go to the Moisture Festival website, which is moisturefestival.org. If you like this podcast, you can check out the podcast that Matt and I do called the Odd and Offbeat Podcast. Yeah. You can get on all of the podcast places, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and where we talk about weird news stories of the day. It's a good time. Yeah. If you like this podcast, you will love that because it is all things weird. <laughs> <laughs> and that has links to my personal page and Louis Fox's personal page if you want to follow what we do individually. So we want to thank all of the performers, donors, sponsors, volunteers who put on the Moisture Festival. It really takes a village to make this thing happen. Absolutely. We want to thank you for listening and we want to thank you in advance for coming out to the Moisture Festival. So be sure to check out the Moisture Festival's site. They also have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, and a YouTube page to see how you can get involved and be a part of this year's or next year's Moisture Festival. We want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast and we hope to see you soon. See you later. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. And stay moist.